Welcome back to another episode of In the Trenches with the Hernandez and Dorker Law Firm, the Equalizing Justice Team. Today's topic is coronavirus and its impact on domestic litigation. I'm joined today with attorneys Grady Evanson and Sarah Harden. Even though most areas and businesses in Alabama have opened up, the coronavirus is still impacting our courts, especially the domestic court. So Grady and Sarah, what can you tell our listeners about how the virus has shaped the domestic court's daily operations? Well, this is Grady Edmondson with the Hernandez-Dorber firm, and I specialize in domestic uh, litigation, either in juvenile court or a family court or a probate court. And the biggest impact that the coronavirus has had on the local court system is that we basically hadn't been having any trials for the last three months and then we're just now opening up and having some trials before the court. So the biggest impact is the length of time it's going to take for a case to get to trial. Uh, Many of the cases that have been scheduled for uh, June and July are now being put on what they call a case management system in which we uh, determine the status of the case and how long it will take and then they'll try to find us a time to do the trial. In the past, the court would set upwards of 20-25 cases for trial at 9 a.m. on any given day and everybody would appear at 9 a.m. and then the court would start going through the cases. But my understanding now is that the court is giving specific times for each case in order to prevent uh, parties from uh, congregating at court uh, in violation of any CDC orders or health department orders. So that is the biggest uh, problem with uh, the coronavirus is that the extension of the length of time. And of course that creates its own problem because in many cases families are forced to stay in a same house in which the parents do not get along and are going through a divorce and there's a tremendous amount of tension and stress that is put on families and that's just been extended for a more lengthy time. It creates all sorts of problems both for the parents and the children because you can't keep uh, the aspects of a divorce away from the children when you're confined to your home. So. And, um, and this is Sarah Harden with the Hernandez and Dorter firm also. Um, but I think Grady would agree when I say that this is still very much a work in progress for the courts. Um, so even though they're giving assigned times and trying to keep the groupings in the court to a minimum, it's still very frustrating um, to clients and to attorneys because the judges don't have an accurate measure of how long the cases are going to take, and they're relying on attorneys who also don't have an accurate measure of how long the case is going to take because it's very hard to predict exactly how long um, people will testify and things like that. And I think that it really, the stress mounts much more on, you know, your trial is a big deal in the first place, but then the stress is mounting because you're on a schedule and the schedule's running behind and you're not ready and you feel stressed. And there's a lot that goes into this new system. Um, So it's definitely like a big change for, you know, the court to be able to accurately handle as many cases as they would normally handle, but with a certain time of time constraint because they are limiting the number of people that are allowed in the courtroom, right? Right. Are most of these going to be like, you know, 
in person in the courtroom or a lot of them still like being done on Zoom or virtual hearings, virtual, is there virtual trials yet? Well, many of the case management hearings are virtual hearings. Uh, they are setting these trials for in-court hearings and so... It's kind of like a hybrid. It is a hybrid and it's due to be, it can be changed at any time depending on what's happening with public health and CDC rules. And so at this point in time, like Sarah said, it's very fluid, it's subject to change, and we could be in a completely different system come August or September of next year, of this year, actually. And um, so that's the system we have right now. It's not a perfect system, but domestic relations has never been really a perfect uh, legal system and it now is just full of Im imperfections which really creates tremendous burden on the families besides being in the same home place with a spouse in which you no longer have a good relationship with there are other factors during the coronavirus that can also impact the current litigation of a divorce case or issues that concern child support, alimony, and other types of uh, expenses. For instance, uh, many people have lost their jobs during this pandemic, uh, which impacts their ability to pay child support that they're ordered to pay or alimony payments that they're ordered to pay by previous order. Or if you're under a current litigation, their ability to make the status quo payments of the marital um, home place. You also have people having to being forced to file for bankruptcy, which also impacts the ability to pay one's uh, expenses, such as child support, alimony, and uh, marital expenses. So that creates another layer of stress that is already on the families going through this. So the stay-at-home orders, uh, the loss, job loss, the fact that the length of litigation has been expanded due to coronavirus are creating sometimes an untenable situation in the home place for both the parents and the children. And it's really creating some mental health issues between these parties. And so coronavirus has just made a bad situation worse. And uh, we're here to help you through this, to advise you, and try to get you through this very trying time uh, concerning any domestic litigation, either at juvenile court or before divorce court, or even with the probate court. So I know we talked a little bit about um, the being present in a courtroom for some hearings, trials, whatever. Are there any special procedures that are happening right now to help protect the public? Well, yes, the court requires you to wear a mask when you come into the courthouse. Uh, however, each judge has his own rules for each of his courts. So some ju judges are requiring masks, some judges aren't. So again, it's a fluid situation that's subject to change. And uh, that's the current situation we have. And it could change next week or in July, whenever. So. I've also received calls from individuals concerning the stimulus check, uh, that they hadn't received it or they didn't receive the amount of money that they wanted, um, or that uh, one of their deceased relatives received the money. Um, 
getting the IRS to answer these questions is very problematic. Uh, getting through on the telephone lines is very difficult and requires extensive waiting time. And even on their website, it's not really um, what I would call up to date or, or uh, informative. informative or accessible. So right now, if you didn't get your stimulus check, they developed that 1-800 number, which I do not have, but you can get on the IRS website and get that number to call and inform them that you did not get your stimulus check. Or if you dispute the amount of stimulus check you have, then you have to do, again, get online, and there's a, a section in their website that allows you to, or uh, tells you how to dispute the amount of money that you receive. As for uh, individuals who are deceased that are receiving a stimulus check, that is very fluid at this point in time. There's no method that you can return the checks to the IRS. There's uh, really a lack of uh, information of direction. and direction from the IRS as to what you need to do with that check. Uh, some people say it's minutes. Uh, IRS has not said that. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what you can do except to hold it until the IRS formulates some sort of policy and procedure concerning those. So what checks. about for the stimulus check, people who are getting it that are going mm -hmm. through divorce, how does that kind of play into income? Because I know certain things about divorce are calculated based off of your income. So is that part of it or is it its own separate thing? Stimulus check is not considered taxable income at this point in time, so it wouldn't play into any income calculations to my knowledge. Okay. The big issue is who gets it. Right. But I think there are great areas when it comes to the stimulus checks, obviously, because I mean if you've left a, if you've had a divorce and left the marital home, it goes to your last home address. And if you've split up which kids you're claiming on taxes, I mean it's gonna come in a lump sum amount if that was how it was filed in the last tax year. So I mean there are definitely issues and we know they exist, but it hasn't been litigated yet, so we don't have very good answers. Um, unfortunately, we are living in a time where there is constant change to how these things are evaluated. And that is something that will probably prolong settlements and prolong trials as well, trying to figure out the gray areas and these laws and this, this stimulus package. Um, I agree, and, and the same goes with unemployment benefits. They are income, they are subject to child support calculations. Uh, and you do have to pay taxes on that. So you do have a stimulus check and you do have a uh, boost in unemployment income uh, due to coronavirus that's in effect now. You get an additional $600 a week, to my understanding, on top of the normal unemployment benefits. And that could impact your child support calculations as well. Okay. So um, what else can you tell us about how coronavirus has impacted domestic litigation? Well, I think it, it's something that you have to take into consideration, the length of time for the trial and all these other stresses. And it may benefit you to give more weight to trying to settle your case as opposed to having it linger for another six months to a year and you have to live under these stressful uh, situations. So I try to get my clients to be realistic in what they want out of the case 
and see if we can really settle the case because I think when both parties have input as to this final settlement, at least they've agreed to it. And it's far better than a, a judge, judge deciding. Right, than a judge making that decision uh, for you. And when that decision may not be something either party likes. So I try to get them to settle now. It behooves them to do that given the problems that the coronavirus has had with the court system. And I think that talking about settlement is a really important thing because a lot of people when they're going through a divorce it's because of some kind of breakdown in communication or some kind of perceived wrong and things like that. We're not ever saying that you should settle just because you don't have a side to fight and there's a party that's right and a party that's wrong and things like that. I think a lot of people have the misconception that when you go to court a judge is going to look at you and be like, oh yes, you're right, your partner's wrong. and clearly we need to resolve this in a way that's fair. Unfortunately, that's not always how it happens. It's more that you go to court because you've decided that you and your former partner can't discuss things and break it up between yourselves and divide your property between yourselves. So you need that so third party to decide for you. Yes, and that doesn't always come out in a favor and that doesn't always come out in a 50-50 split either. There's a lot of calculations that goes into it and I think people are surprised once they've amped themselves up for trial and they get there and they do not get the end result they're looking for. Um, so I think settlement is really nice because you have that leeway. There are some things that you can't really contract out of and child support is generally one of them. There are very rare exceptions, but generally your, your child support is calculated by a table and you will have to pay that amount. But I think that there are a lot of pros that come with settlement and there's things that you can, if you don't have a standard visitation agreement, you can modify that between you and your former partner and you can share custody in a way that makes sense to you. That works best for your daily lifestyle. Yes, and sometimes a judge that you're in front of for maybe an hour won't understand what's your best lifestyle. And even though it goes to the judge for final approval, there's a lot more to it if you can meet with your attorney and meet with your former partner with their attorney, preferably, and discuss what kind of process works best. And that way your attorneys can explain that to the judge and the judge is a lot more likely to take something that doesn't seem like a standard agreement and make it work for those parties. I agree with Sarah. So we're here to help you through this time and uh, all you have to do is call us, set up an appointment and we'll be happy to talk to you about it. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of In the Trenches with the Hernandez and Dorger Law Firm, the Equalizing Justice Team. Stay tuned because we will be posting bi-weekly. No representation is made that legal services performed are greater than the quality of legal services of others.